Hello and welcome to the MDDDS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kyle Fagala, and tonight we're kicking off a five-week look at the question, who is God? What I mean by that is, what are some characteristics of God? Who has He shown Himself to be in the Old Testament and the New Testament? And who does He promise to be now and forevermore? We'll be using the book, A.W. Tozer's The Attributes of God, as our source text. And tonight, Dr. Grant Dasher, a dentist, will be joining us. Grant always does a fabulous job. And he'll be talking about the two characteristics of God, His infinitude and His immensity. I promise it will be very eye-opening and thought-provoking. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started with Grant now. Okay, so uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians. I'm just going to read one little scripture from Colossians. Um, and then you can like look back at it in your Bible if you want to look back at it. Um, I think I may have mentioned last time I was here, Lectio Divina. Our, our preachers talked a lot about Lectio Divina, or a lot. I've heard, I heard him talk about it once, actually. Um, but Lectio Divina is like this method of reading Scripture where you, you just kind of slow it down, and you may focus on 10 or 15 words for half an hour or an hour, which sounds crazy. And I don't think I've ever really truly practiced Lectio Divina, but I've definitely slowed my reading down. And in doing that, you start to, to find like so much richness in just a few words. Um, even like a lot of the introductions that Paul gives in some of his letters, like that you'll just kind of skip over. Like you just read the introduction, you're like, whoa, there's like so much rich theology just in like literally like 10 or 15 words. So, um, so if you want to co- go back through, through the lesson and um, practice that, you know, um, reading the scripture back you know back you can you can kind of refer back to it so colossians 3 uh 1 through 3 since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god so Indulge me for just a second. I know this is a little, little cheesy, but just go ahead and close your eyes for a second, if you will. And I want you to think about what it is in your life that is bringing you the greatest amount of anxiety. So that should be really, really easy for all of you, right? <laughs> Those of you who are in, in school. So think about that thing that is bringing you the greatest amount of anxiety. Um, maybe it's school for you. Maybe it's formaldehyde and gross anatomy. Um, maybe it's your student loan payment if you're out of school, or maybe it's your, your marriage if you're married. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe if you have kids, it's your parenting. Maybe it's some hidden sin, something like that you're, you're struggling with, something that you don't want to do, but you find yourself continuing to do it. Maybe it's an illness. Whatever it is, focus in on that where it is all you see. All right, does anybody want to, want to and no, don't feel obligated, but I feel like this is a, a safe place. You can open your eyes. Does anybody want to share kind of what that image was in their mind? I, mine is my student loan payment. So guys, get ready. <laughs> it's a burden. Um, hopefully your parents are paying for your dental school or your med school. That was mine. It's a burden, big time. I feel like for me it's like a combination of school right now, but also like the search to find good quality godly romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that would be singleness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mine was an argument I had with Anna like an hour ago. So mm-hmm. that's where my mind went. Yep. Happens. Marriage is not easy. No. Anyone else? Mine was uh, building stability uh, in different senses of the word for my family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mine was step one. Yeah. <laughs> Any second year, my yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You're like, it's just step one. It's not even step two, three, or four. Just one, right? <laughs> It's just one step. <laughs> Anyone else want to share? So, okay. So kind of go back there in your mind, which is, I know it's painful, but for a second, go back there. And then in your mind, look up from that source of anxiety toward Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, and just picture the father with his son next to him and and get this they don't have a disapproving look on their face they're actually happy with you right they're not sitting there with this look of disapproval but they are like that's my that's that's my creation i made that person so paul says here in colossians if you go back and read this using lectio divina and you chew on this think what you'll get out of it is what Paul's trying to communicate is that we need to detach our mind from the world and look to heaven. So that's hard for us because we're a lot of us are professionals. We're driven. Um, pretty much the way things have gone for a lot of us is that we make goals and then we work our butts off to accomplish them. And in essence, we're keeping our noses to the grindstone. If your nose is to the grindstone, you're you're really kind of looking down the whole time. I remember when I was in dental school, even now. I look, I look in people's mouths all day long. It's like, I feel like this, you know, like I'm literally like this. And so like, and I think sometimes I'm figuratively like that too. Like I'm figuratively just buried with my head down in whatever I'm, I'm consumed by at the moment. But Paul says that when we were baptized, we died to the world. So that's a good metaphor there. I, I talked to my daughter a ton about metaphors and how important it is to be able to understand metaphors because like so much language is a metaphor. But we died to the world. And I think about that, that line in movies where like character A is appealing to character B's good nature and like, you're a good person, you're, you're this. And character B replies like, that person is dead. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like this real epic moment. And that's, you know, that's what I think about. And I think this is Paul's point here. When we look back to who we were, before we were buried and raised with Christ through baptism, what we see is a person that's no longer alive. And thank goodness, because I look back to who I was before I knew Jesus, and I'm, like, I'm glad that person is no longer like running around the way that he used to run around and doing the things that he used to do. Um, and I'm glad that now a new person lives. It's not just that that old person's dead, but it's that a new person lives. And that's why we're referred to a new creation when we put our faith in Jesus. You're a new creation. So like you, the old person dies, but there's, it's not just negative. It's, it's, there's, some, there's a positive aspect to it, which is that we are a new creation. So all those things that, that cause anxiety in our life, whether it's continuous sin or some yoke of performance, which I think is another big thing for us, like this yoke of performance, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do, I've gotta perform, that we've placed on ourselves. Paul says, don't focus on that. That's all dead. He said, all of it, it's all dead, it's been buried. The, 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 the mound of dirt is piled up over it, right? And you say, well, yeah, but I know that. Logically, maybe I know that, but I'm still uh, sinning or I still, I still feel like I'm not good enough, so I, I struggle with feelings of, of self-worth. I feel like I'm not good enough. Um, or, yeah, but I'm still completely consumed by my career or school. The one thing all that has in, in common, no matter what your anxiety is, the one thing that it, all, it always has in common is that all of those things are temporal. So my sin, my feelings, my career, all of those things are bound up in space and time. They're worldly. And Paul says our, our minds need to be otherworldly. So the way to be free from all the anxieties and trouble in our lives is to look upward and trust that our lives really are hidden with Christ and God. So I look upward and then I trust. I'm like, okay, I, I do believe this. You know, we talked about this, Jack, earlier about how like when you're, when you're, mind starts thinking rightly your emotions start feeling rightly it, it, like they go hand in hand I, I, I told you like I was telling Jack I spent a large portion of my life mainly the way because of the way I grew up being skeptical of emotion I was always skeptical of emotion I was very judgmental and thought Man, that person's not real 
you know, that, that emotion couldn't be real, very judgmental. And like until just past a year or two, now I'm realizing like God is, a, he's emotional and he's logical. He's both. And those two things go hand in hand. So when you start to think rightly, the emotions start to feel rightly. And even when you emotionally are right and you're posturing yourself in the correct way, a lot of times your, your thinking starts, starts, you start thinking rightly. So the two go hand in hand. Um, but that's not easy. It is not easy to really trust, to really believe. That's the hardest, that's the hard thing about life is faith. Like, is God who he says he is? Is this really real? Can I really buy into this? That's not, that's not easy. But it is, but is it easier to look to God and to trust him when we know his character? Like if I know his character and I look at his character and I know who he is, is it easier to look to him and to trust him? So if we know who he is and what he's about, does it become less difficult to look up? So this is what A.W. Tozer says. He died several decades ago. He wrote a book that a lot of this is based on that sought to answer the question of who is God. That's what we all want to know. Who, who is God? Why am I here? And who is the, the person who made me? So the book is entitled The Attributes of God. And I guess that he wrote this book hoping that it would make it easier for people to set their minds on things above. I think that, I mean, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but I think he wrote the book so that people would know, would be able to look to God and, and look upward. Um, and again, if we know who God is and what he's about, does it become easier to look to him? Or on the flip side, do we struggle to look to heaven? And I, I, I think this is true. Do we struggle to look to heaven because we don't know anything about God? Like I'm looking up and I'm like, what, what's, I don't know, I, what's there? I don't know anything about God, so I don't even know what to look up to. So hopefully in this series, we can find the answer to some of those questions. Um, today, we're going to be in chapters one and two. Do they have the book? Did y'all, did y'all purchase the book? I, I would highly recommend buying the book, God, A.W. Tozer. Uh, so like Tozer wrote this uh, in the 50s. Is that right? Is that right? So... Um, and I would I would recommend I mean some of it's pretty wordy but you guys are are capable y'all are all smart people um, and it's it's really good stuff it's enlightening um, let me find out where I was here hold on my computer um, two blanks if you didn't catch them were look to heaven and then otherworldly you may have caught those you may not okay. All right, so uh, so we're in chapters one and two of this book. You can, you can go buy the book. I would recommend it for sure. Um, but the first two chapters are on God's infinitude, which I didn't know what that word was until I read this book. I had to, I had to Google it. God's infinitude and his immensity. Um, so God's infinitude. This is God's infinite nature, his limitless nature. So we say that God is not bound by space and time. So he's not, he's not confined to a certain area of space, and he's not living in some, in some period of time as if he's bound by that time. Um, my daughter, I, I was laying in bed with her one night. I love talking to my daughter, uh, especially at the age that she is now, because like, she's, she's starting to think all these things. And then I, I try to have these conversations with my son. He's three, and he's like, he's like, Dad, I'll be ready when I'm ten. Like, he's not telling me that, but I'm thinking that's what he, you know, that's a, that's what he's communicating with his with his nonverbals. Um, but she's six, and she's asking all these these crazy questions. And uh, so I asked her, I don't know, it was probably six months ago. I, I said, uh, I said, Van, I said, where were you before you were born? And she was like, she's like, well, I was in my mommy's belly. And I was like, well, what about before that? And she was like, she's like. I was I was in heaven and I was like no I said you weren't in heaven and she's like I wasn't I was like no I said where were you and she was like I don't know I said you didn't exist and like I could see it on her face like the idea that she there was a time when she didn't exist it was mind-boggling for her right like she just could not wrap her brain around that and I'm like well don't don't worry you're not alone <laughs> I can't wrap my brain around it either right um, but that's how we all are we went from not existing to existing because God caused us, all right? We went from, from, from not existing to existing because God caused us. Is that one of the blanks? Mm -hmm. uh, that's great. Um, but, but God isn't like us. He's not like us in that sense. He is the uncaused cause. 
So nobody made God. He didn't begin to exist. His existence is infinite. I think understanding that one thing, that God didn't begin to exist, it, it, will, it will clear up a lot, of, a lot of questions that you have about the origins of, of the universe. Um, his existence is infinite, which again is mind-blowing. I remember, I remember when I was 11 years old, I cried for a week because I couldn't, I couldn't think about an infinite past or an infinite future. And I couldn't think about like space. I always wondered what was on the other end of it. You know, at, at like 11, I was for like a week, I was emotionally like really, I was like, I was troubled over this, you know, and then I got over it. Um, but um, I think I got over it. I've suppressed my, my feelings. Um, and what we want to look at specifically today is how now that our old self has died, so we talked about that metaphor of our old, the old us dying when we were baptized and when, when we gave our life over to Jesus, our life is now hidden with Christ in God so that we're participating in that infinitude, that, limit, that limitless, limitlessness. So like think about us, per, not, not just like recognizing it and seeing it, but actually participating in it. That's kind of a big mind shift. Um, so there's something active happening, not passive. You're not passively watching, but there's something active happening in you and to you. So we're with Christ, we're in God, and that means that if we're with Him, and if we're in Him, those two words, those are very simple words, with Him and in Him, that means we have access to God's infinitude. That's pretty cool. That's mind-blowing, actually. God doesn't just save us, which for much of my life, that's what I thought about God. I thought he was just a savior, but he doesn't just save us. He changes us and he continues to change us to make us more like him. We get to be like him. So when you guys view heaven, how do you view it? What's just like just off the top of your head? Cloudy. Like what? But not rain, not rain clouds. These are like cumulonimbus, right? I think he used that same word last. I did. I did. And a is like it's a, a thundercloud. It's a thundercloud. That's you true. Mean to make That's this true. Sound? Cumulus. <laughs> a cumulus cloud. Yes. We literally had the same. We did. We had the same conversation. That's right. A cumulus cloud, not a cumulonimbus. We're both so predictable. No stratus, cirrus. No, definitely not. Yeah. No. Yeah, like I mean, the same stuff you see like in paintings and stuff. It's cloudy and streets of gold and mansions. That's the Sistine Chapel, right? And the the cumulus clouds. Yeah, yeah, there's clouds up there, guys floating on them and stuff. <laughs> Anybody else? Picture, like the throne idea, like the throne room. I never like, I don't think I ever really get close to it, but just like the idea of like a really giant hall and like at the end, like God and like Jesus. And I don't really know. There's no like details, but it's mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of gold. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's hard to not imagine it as being. I just don't completely understand it, so it, it when I do imagine it, it feels intangible um, in a way. So like, like, does it feel empty? I don't know. Yeah. Not necessarily empty, but like vast. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I get family members if I passed it, I hear be there with. So it's personal. But for me, I guess heaven doesn't feel like something that would have to only be a cloud or something in the sky. Mm. It feels like uh, that moment when you're in communion with your Lord and you can do something to make Him smile or make Him happy. Mm. Mm. And that's it for me at heaven. Yeah, so it's personal again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys see what dreams may come? Mm. Yeah. That's that, that beautiful like imagery of what I think, that, I think that is probably close to like a biblical view of heaven, like a physical new creation. Yeah. Yep. So I think usually for a lot of us, not not obviously not for all of us, um, for I think for most people, it's it's a lot of times it's the best uh, possible life that we can imagine on earth. So uh, gold mid gold streets mansion. You got a mansion on a hilltop. Uh, for me, I'm thinking like I'm in Yosemite and I'm like catching fish, you know, one after another. 
Like they just keep, they just keep coming, you know, and it's awesome. And it doesn't get old. Like each one, it's like, this is the biggest fish I've ever caught. And, you know, it's just the, my heart's pounding. Um, but it's like the best uh, imaginable life on, on earth. Um, listen to what Lady Julian of Norwich says, which I don't really know who that is, but A.W. Tozer does. Um, he said, he said that she said, suddenly the Trinity filled my heart with joy and all, and I understood that so shall it be in heaven without end. So Lady Julian makes the point that heaven is unceasing joy. There is no lull, which is cool. That sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Unceasing joy in relationship with the Trinity. So you could say infinite or limitless joy in relationship with the Trinity. Was that one of the fill in the blanks? It is. When we missed yeah, a couple. Unceasing joy. No, wait, we're good. Okay, unceasing joy. So this is hard. This is a conversation I've had with my daughter as well. How do we conceptualize the Trinity? And that's tough. I'm not, I, don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of good answers for her. Um, God being three, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but also being one. How do, you, how, do you, how do you conceptualize that? Well, Lady Julian said, she said this. She said, where Jesus appeareth, the blessed Trinity is understood. So in common English, if you want to understand the Trinity, look to Jesus. And it, that, that's biblical, right? Because Jesus himself said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus says that he is God. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So to understand Jesus is to understand the Trinity because Jesus is one with the Trinity. Um, if you got your Bible, if you got if you have your Bible, um, turn to John 17, and you can kind of look back at this scripture as well. I've got a few 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 scriptures here. Oh, you have them all. They're already in the in the in the handout. Good. Um, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just kind of focusing on that, that idea of oneness and unity. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So when you read that scripture, and you can look back at it written down there, uh, on your sheet, what do you see in that scripture about the relationship of the Father and the Son? What does it say about their relationship? It says that they are one. That they are one. And then you also see an invitation that comes through faith for us to be what? Yeah. To be one with the Father and the Son. So you get this invitation that says, you're invited, and then you're like, well, how do I get there? I'm invited to this party. How do I get there? And then you turn over the back, and under directions, all you see one word, and it says believe. That those are the directions. Believe. So you so you do believe because you want to go to the party. You believe. You put your faith in Jesus, and then you get to the party, and the most incredible person is there. They're, they are the friendliest, the kindest, the most loving, the most just, the the funniest the smartest, the most creative, the most caring person you've ever met. In fact, you could say that they are all those things to perfection. Like take all those qualities and raise them up to perfection and, and then combine that into one person and that person is there at the party and they look at you and they say, I created you so that you could be here with me and with my father. And you're like, what? You're awesome. Like you're like the best person ever. And, I, and you invited me to this party and, and you created me just so I could be at this party. And, and then he says, and not only do I want you to be here, I want you to be one with us. And, you're, and, and immediately you're, you're like, man, I feel pretty stinking cool that I was invited to this party and I get to be a part of this person, right? Turn over to 1 John 4, uh, or oh, you've got it written down. So, 1 John 4, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. Going back to that word, in. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we know that the Father and the Son are one, and now we see that the Spirit is part of that as well. The Spirit, the Father, and the Son are one, and then whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, so that's what belief is. Like if you believe something, then you, you actually speak it with your mouth. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God receives what? What does it say that he receives at the very end? God. Yeah. Oneness with God. And that goes for women too. It just says him. That that's that's women and men. All right. That's everybody. All right. This was this was written at a time when that when that was the language that they used. But God abides in him and he in God. So you receive that oneness with him. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, and God abides in us, and we in him when we confess, we believe. That's what that says about our relationship with the Trinity, is that there is oneness with the Trinity. So think about that. When you receive oneness into this perfection, and this is how it will be in heaven forever, there's no fighting because there's oneness. Like I'm, I've never beaten myself up or I've never argued with myself, I don't think. Um, if I have, it's because I have a, there's a divide in my heart, honestly. Even within myself, sometimes there's not oneness. You know, Satan is like telling me things that I have to fight back. But when we're one with a perfect God, no fighting, no war, no selfishness. Think about that. No selfishness, no abuse. Think about that one. That's, a, that's one that's been in the news a lot lately. Zero abuse. Like think about living in a world, a physical world, as David said. This isn't some, this isn't some out there thing. Like Jesus is coming back to this world and he's going to fix it. He's going to make it, he's going to like renew everything. He's going to make it perfect. And he's going to be here and we're all going to be with him. And, and so you think about that and, and you think about a world with no abuse. We don't have to watch CNN and read the, the news and see all this stuff, right? Instead, we just see total oneness, total unity. Now, go back and, and look at how we view salvation, how we view heaven, and think about how low our expectations are, right? I think uh, I'm being saved, and I, man, I, I, I'm being saved from my sin. I, I don't have to go to hell now. Yes, it's more than that. Listen to what Tozer says. This is, this is beautiful. Tozer was a smart man. He says, the church will come out of her doldrums when we find out that salvation is not a light bulb only. In other words, my eyes are opened. That it is not an insurance policy against hell only, but that it is a gateway into God and that God is all that we would have and can desire. We were talking about Christian hedonism earlier. I was talking about this with Jack. And... For much of my life, I, I've thought about my Christian faith as denying pleasure so that I can do good for God. And, and how flawed was my thinking? Because God is pleasure. Like, I, I, that, like and this is like a new revelation. I've been, I was telling Jack, I've been a Christian for like 18 years. Like, I've, I've believed this for like one or two years. That, that God is pleasurable. So, and, and some of that came from trying things that I thought were pleasurable and then realizing they brought like destruction. They did not bring pleasure. And so this idea that God is all that we, could, that we would have and can desire. Like when you're with God, it's pleasurable. When I was at Passion and everybody was just worshiping, it was, I would say it was the most pleasurable moment of my life. And I'm not kidding. It's not, it's not hyperbole. Like it was, it was unbelievable. And then I was thinking, man, it's going to be like this, but even better in heaven forever. And everybody's going to be happy. And Christian rap's going to be playing the whole time. It's going to be great. <laughs> everybody's, going to be getting, everybody's going to be getting lit, you know. Um, take that out of the, take the edit, edit, edit that out. Edit that out. Um, so, um, so, so the point is when we confess that Jesus is Lord, and we put our faith in him, which is just belief. It's just, it's just like agreeing with him, saying, yeah, I believe that you are who you, who you, said, who you said you were. You know, I believe you raised from the dead. Yeah, that's, that sounds crazy. Have you taught the, the lesson on that, the historical resurrection? It's, this, it will blow your mind. You're like, after he gets done, you're like, no, Jesus really did raise from the dead. Like, historically, <laughs> like, there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. It's crazy. Like if we applied the historical scientific method to, to the resurrection, 
Like you, historians, you know what they say? The ones that don't believe in God, they say that the, the, uh, that everybody was hallucinating. Like 600 people all hallucinated. That's a lot of people to hallucinate all at once. Um, that's another lesson altogether. But, but when we confess that Jesus is Lord and we put our faith in him, what we receive is oneness with God, oneness, so that now we are a part of something infinite and limitless. Think about that. Tozer says Christianity is a gateway into God, and then when you get into God with Christ in God, which is what Colossians 3 says, then you're on a journey into infinity, into infinitude. What was that uh, cartoon? What was that? Uh, uh, infinity and beyond. Like that, yes, yes, that Buzz Lightyear. That literally, literally, not, we're not speaking figuratively. Literally, that is what we are tapping into. That is crazy. All right. I'm excited because literally, literally, this is something that I've come to believe in like the last two years. Or not come to believe. It's, it's I've, I've just, it's been, I've been exposed to it. So think about the limitless nature of what we enter into when we are one with God. What are we tapping into? Like, what are some things that you would want in America right now? I don't know if you get those in heaven, but maybe you do. You know, what, what do you experience when you eat the Krispy Kreme donut? What do you experience? It's a three-letter word. It starts with J. Ends with a Joy. Joy. Yes. Literal, limitless, infinite joy is what we're tapping into. What else? Peace. We don't need that in America, though, because everybody is pretty yeah, much getting along right now. Yeah. So we have that one down pat already. But yeah, think about that. Like limitless, like there is no limit. Think about that. Like think about that word. Infinite peace. Perfect peace. And like we tap into that when we, we, all we have to do is believe and then we become one with God. And then like there's this, this faucet of peace just, and we're just like drinking from it. That's what living water is, right? Living water that Jesus talks about. That's what we have access to. Love, man, we could use some love, right? Not this fake love. People use that word. That, that word is abused. Because what people call love is not, that's not love. It's not love. You know, love is completely selfless. It doesn't boast. It's not prideful. Love is when you, you lay down as much as you can for the sake of someone else because you care about them that much. That's what love is. Think about all those things limitlessly. And that's what we have access to. So thinking in our minds about God as infinite and limitless is hard to do because everything we experience in life is finite and limited. It's all bound by space and time. Uh, and then thinking about you being one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one with that infinite infinitude is even harder to do. This is, this is like super difficult, right? But that is the antidote to that feeling that you've kind of reached the end of what God has to offer, at least until you die. So, you know, I, 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 I put my faith in Jesus. I said the Lord's Prayer. I've been baptized. And now I'm basically, uh, I'm going to try my hardest to just live a good Christian life, be a good boy, be a good girl. And, and then I'll die, and then they'll cremate me. And then I'll go to heaven. I'll have a mansion, and I'll live happily ever after. Right? Tozer calls this a utilitarian view of God. I'm going to do for him, put my faith in him, go to church, and I'm going to go to heaven. You know, this is a utilitarian view of God. It's a quid pro quo. I, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's going to work out well. That, that God, he just gives us these things that we need, and he'll just continue to provide our needs in heaven. And the truth is much more deep than that. It's much more meaningful than that. And we're missing out if we have a utilitarian view of God. We're just missing the whole boat, right? We don't get to that pleasure. We don't get to that joy. And truthfully, being a Christian sucks if that's how you view it. It is not fun because then it's a yoke. It feels like somebody's got their, their foot on your throat and, and you're just trying to be good until you die. That's not Christianity. But that's, that's what I thought Christianity was for a, long, for a large portion of my life. John Piper, uh, at Passion the other day, he said that God is not an idea, he's not a thing, and he's not a set of actions. Think about that one, set of actions. Every other religion in the world is a set of actions. Do this certain certain amount of times. Do that. Do this. Do that. Do this. God's not an idea. He's not a thing. He's not a set of actions. He's a person. He is a person. 
And when you start to realize that you've been, you've become one with an infinite, eternal, limitless person, think about what you're tapping into. And this is the, this isn't heresy what I'm, what I'm saying. This is the Bible. These are scriptures that are written down on your sheets of paper. This means that every day that you're alive, there's something new about God that he can reveal to you because he's limitless. If you're bored with God, it's, it, it, that's, that's on you. <laughs> it, is, it is your fault if you're bored with God because he, he has a lot more to offer. And, uh, and it's limitless. And think about how, when you think that way, think about how that changes your view of who God is. So how do we see God represented in culture? What do you, like when you watch a movie or just in culture in general, how do you see God represented? Old man with a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just takes care of you when times get tough. Yep. Uh, William Lane Craig calls that the cosmic bellhop in the sky. <laughs> you just ring the bell and it's like, oh, thank you, God. I needed that, you know? Man, he's got a good God voice. He does. <laughs> he's got a good God voice. Yeah, so he, he's the big man upstairs. He helps us win ball games. He's our homeboy. Jesus is my homeboy, right? You have it. What's that? What'd your thing say? Jesus is not your homeboy. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is not your homeboy. Uh, he's Cosmic Bill Hop in the Sky. He's at our beck and call. Maybe even somebody that we can judge. He's a moral monster. How could God have done this or do this or allow this? He's a moral monster, which the idea of us judging the one that made us and, and like created our system of morals is it, it logically just from a sheer logical standpoint, doesn't make a lot of sense. But this idea that we're talking about kind of turns all that on its head in that, in that when we see God as infinite, we know that we can't measure him, right? He becomes a lot bigger than what we've made him out to be. He's not contained in a, in a little box that we've created anymore. In fact, to say he's bigger is not good language. I shouldn't have done that. Um, to say he's big, bigger isn't the language that we, sh we should use because if God's infinite, he's not, he's not measurable, right? So he's not bigger, he just is. Like he's not, he's not, you know, he's not bigger than anything because he, he doesn't relate to anything. He, he, he just is. Um, that's why I love, I love Moses is, is talking to God and God's like, go, go talk to the Israelites. Tell them, tell them all about me. And Moses is like, well, who do I tell them that you are? And he was like, oh, tell them... Um, I am. <laughs> he doesn't say like I'm 342 feet tall. I've got uh, brown brown hair, uh, brown eyes, and um, a loud booming voice and a gray beard. And um, my name's Morgan Freeman. Uh, <laughs> he just says I am. Like how do you how do you describe yourself? Because you to describe yourself you have to compare yourself. And God's like Moses, <laughs> I can't I can't compare myself because I am. I, I am. So Tozer goes on in chapter two of the book to discuss the immensity of God. And don't worry, we're more than halfway through. I know that was all about infinitude. We're more, more than halfway through. Um, this is an infinite lesson. Mm. That's right. If you're gonna if you're gonna teach on infinitude, you got to make it long. Uh, but it always falls short because you can't compare time to infinite infinity. So uh, infinity is not an actual thing. It's just an idea. So. Um, <laughs> So um, I don't really know how you teach on something that's immeasurable. Um, and, and because our minds can't comprehend something immeasurable, all we're left with, again, is comparison. That's all, that's all, like, that's all we can do because our minds are just, we're, they are limited. We're not, our minds aren't limitless. Um, there are seven times 10 to the 27th power atoms in the average human body. That, that number is honestly, that number alone, the number of atoms in our body is beyond comprehension. Like any of you who act like you comprehend that, you are not telling the truth, all right? Even those of you who are medical students and think you're smarter than us, <laughs> dentists, all right? That number is beyond comprehension. I can't comprehend the difference between 10 to the 27th and 10 to the 28th. It could be that 10 pounds of muscle that I swore to gain two years ago. I, I've gained like a pound. Maybe that's, that's yeah, that's, that's a few. You know, billion yes. atoms. You're um, eight times ten. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, 
I can't fathom that, that number. The, the point is, though, even within our own bodies, there is this incredibly huge number, and yet we are not even like a speck of dust in the vastness of this universe. Think about that. You, this massive number in our bodies that is not even like, it doesn't even register. It not, even, not even like a speck of dust. Um, recently, uh, so maybe six months ago, there was a lot of buzz in the news about two neutron stars colliding. Did anybody see this? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so they circled each other for 11 billion years, getting closer and closer until they collided, creating this incredible event that's never been witnessed by humans before. Um, would anyone like to guess how long ago these stars collided? Anyone want to guess? Last year. No, 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 like probably like millions of years ago. How many, it. how many millions? Nice word. 130 million years ago. <laughs> Dang, that's close enough. Uh, 130 <laughs> million. Okay. Uh, 130 million years ago, they collide, and that's how long it takes for the light from the explosion to reach the earth. All right? Just think, I mean, I know you're not thinking about it because you can't. You cannot grasp that. Uh, scientists were watching an explosion occur that happened 130 million years ago. That's completely unfathomable, right? Um, there's, when that guy, there was a guy that tried to break into my house. Um, if, he, if he came back now, I've got lights up now that when you walk, it like shines the light on you. When that guy's trying to steal my, my tools, that light blasts him. Like He has no time to like escape from, from the light. It's like dark, boom, light, I got you in the camera. You're there. I got your face. And the police are going to do nothing about it because it's Memphis and they've got bigger fish to fry. Um, but it's dark one second and then that same second it's light. And yet it took 130 million years for the light from this star collision to make it here. And that light's still traveling past us and like... If you were on some distant planet, you could watch it coming toward you, right? In some other distant galaxy. So the point is, there's a lot of space out there, right? There's a whole lot of it. And that's what gave me a lot of problems when I was 11. I cried and cried because I was like, well, what, what, what's out there? But the universe is so big and so complex that the top astronomer, the Astronomer Royale in Britain, said that our brains aren't capable of understanding it fully. So I thought it was kind of funny when I read that, when he said, like, our brains aren't capable of funny, understanding it fully. And I thought that the, the, the title of the article might as well have been Top, Top Astronomer Explains Something We Already Know, right? Like, Top Astronomer makes a point that we're all like, yeah, okay, we, we know that we can't fathom the depths of space, right? But he says, um, just as a fish may be barely aware of the medium in which it lives and swims, so the microstructure of empty space could be far too complex for unaided human brains. So we can compare human, or we can compare atoms to human bodies to the distance between neutron stars and Earth, and we're still coming up short, right? That's because God is immeasurable. Like all those things can be measured. 130 million light years, oh yeah, we can measure that, right? All those things can be measured. God is immeasurable. He can't be compared to anything for any sort of reference because that thing you're comparing him to is contained within him. That is, again, I've used this, these words a lot tonight. It's mind-blowing. Listen how Tozer puts it. He says, God is above all things, beneath all things, outside of all things, and inside of all things. God is above, but he is not pushed up. He is beneath, but he is not pressed down. He is outside, but he is not excluded. He is inside, but he is not confined. God is above all things presiding, beneath all things sustaining, outside of all things embracing, and inside of all things filling. That is the eminence of God. Now, with that picture of God in your mind, think back again to that source of anxiety in your life. All right? Just, just for a second. Whatever that thing was, why are we afraid of anything? God is huge, and he is for us. He's not against us. Again, that's not heresy. That's just solid Bible. I'm just teaching you what the Bible teaches. God's huge, and he's for us. Why are we afraid? Um, I love that book, The Gruffalo. Have you all read that or seen the short film? The Gruffalo? Because you said you can't, you can't 
You're right. You're right. It's that would, our language is limited. You got to just bear with me, okay? I'm gonna use human language, and it's just is. But you're right. God, I could just have started the lesson with God is and finished it, and then that would have been it. But that would have been hard for us to to really grasp, right? <laughs> so God is. You're right. That's a great point. Um, man, the student becomes the teacher. I like it. I like it. Um, but uh, have y'all seen Gruffalo? So we we've read it. You've if read you it. Don't have kids. You probably it's you would you would like it still. It's a great book. Uh, it's a great kids book, um, and the little short film is really really good. Uh, the Gruffalo. Is it Dr. Seuss? Uh, no, 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 no. It's written by um, I forget their name, but anyway, it's really good. They've written a couple other books that are really good too. So, um, so in the book, this little mouse is traveling through the woods when he when he comes across one by one these animals who want to eat him. And the mouse, he's, this is a really smart mouse, uh, he, he's kind of picking up on the fact that they want to eat him. They're like inviting him into their house, and he, he picks up on the fact that they want to eat him. And uh, so he says each time, oh, oh, I'm here to have lunch with a Gruffalo. It's in a British voice. I, lo- I read it to my kids in a British voice. I love it. Um, the, gr- the Gruffalo, of course, is a fictional beast that this mouse has just created in his mind. To, to, to like scare these these animals away that want to eat him and, and so he's this fictional beast so you think right so the mouse goes on to explain you know why a gruffalo don't you know he has terrible tusk and terrible claws and terrible teeth and his terrible jaws that's a pretty good british accent right right he has knobbly knees and turned out toes and a poisonous wart at the end of his nose his eyes are orange his tongue is black he has purple prickles all over his back and i love my kids are like so excited and the Gruffalo's favorite meal is always whatever that animal is that's there trying to eat him, right? So at first it's the fox. Oh yeah, he's about, he's about to meet me here. And you know what his favorite food is? It's fox, you know? It's you, right, okay. So super smart mouse. Um, and the mouse thinks he's super clever until he comes upon, what do you know? A real life Gruffalo, right? <laughs> so he's like, oh, what, do I, what do I do now? So the mouse, just before the Gruffalo is about to eat, eat him, he convinces the Gruffalo to follow him through the forest to see just how terrified everyone is of this fierce mouse, right? But uh, of course, the animals, as he's walking, they're not really afraid of the mouse. Who are they afraid of? The Gruffalo, right behind him, right? But the Gruffalo doesn't know this. So uh, they're afraid of this huge Gruffalo whose favorite meal is roasted fox or owl ice cream or scrambled snake. And uh, eventually the Gruffalo thinks they're all afraid of the mouse and the Gruffalo leaves and he's left in the forest like all by himself and it's, it's, it's awesome, you know, it's a great story. Um, now I've just ruined the whole book for you. Um, but your kids will love it. But um, the metaphor breaks down a little bit when you compare God to a Gruffalo, but just follow me here just for a second. Um, we are this small mouse traveling through a world that is looking to devour us at every turn. We're surrounded by traps. We're surrounded by heartache. We're surrounded by difficulty. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Singleness is hard. School's hard. Work's hard. Relationships are hard. No relationships are hard. Everything's hard in life, right? And we are this mouse surrounded by these these traps and the great thing is that that behind us there is this immense God like he's there with us and he's walking with us and he cares about little old us with our seven times ten to the 27th atoms and he cares about us to send his cares enough about us to send his son to die for us and not only that he is with us always unlike the Gruffalo he doesn't really even just follow you around he actually dwells inside of you that's awesome so the metaphor broke down, but you get the point. Like, why are we afraid of anything? God is with us and he's for us. We are one with the triune God. What do we have to fear? What can we not overcome? There's nothing that can destroy us now. Sin, sickness, cancer, death. The infinite and immense God that created the universe dwells in us and we are one with him. I lose my job. I'm failing a class. Like, it, like, it, it, like Christianity does not teach that your life is going to never have problems. What it teaches you is that no matter what your problems are, like, like, you're going to be okay. Like You will be okay. 
11 out of the 12 apostles were, were martyred. They were killed. And, that, and the whole time they're like, they're like, we're gonna be all right, right? Peter was crucified upside down. And you know, Paul said to, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So what that means is that we're no longer slaves to sin and we're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God. So I just wanna finish with a scripture and a couple questions. The scripture's beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and you could say you are in me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to thank Grant for teaching tonight. This was, without a doubt, one of the best nights we've had. Several of those who were there uh, with us tonight said the same thing. It was really just a great topic. Thinking about how God is infinite, and also just in a similar sense, how immense He is and His creation is, is, uh, man, it's just a topic you could sit around and think about for days. And I hope that you will. And I hope that this has kind of started that thinking uh, both in your mind and your heart. We will be back next week. I will be teaching on two more attributes of God. Again, we're trying to answer this question of who is God. We think it's important that we seek to understand better who God is. I think in doing that, we're better able to commune with Him, uh, better able to worship Him, and uh, better able to reflect Him in our lives. We'll be talking about God's goodness and God's justice. Those are related. I really look forward to sharing that time with you. If you're in the Memphis area, if you're a medical student, a dental student, or if you're interested in coming in any sense, please do. You can find the details on the MDDDS Facebook group or page. We're in both spots. Or you can reach out to me, Kyle Fagala. I'm the only Kyle Fagala that exists, so you should not have a hard time finding me. And uh, we'll help you get there. So Monday nights, 7, typically. Occasionally we'll do a 6 o'clock, but typically 7 in Germantown at my home. We would love to have you join us. If not, and if you're just listening out there, that's great too. We'd love to know that. And so if you want to reach out to us, let us know and maybe give us some input, things you'd like to hear maybe in future episodes or things you'd like for us to study. Or if you have questions, love to talk to you about that. You can reach out to me. I hope you have a great week and I hope God blesses you this week and I know he will. We'll see you next week.